Well, my name it is Sam Hall, Sam Hall. Yes, my name it is Sam Hall, it is Sam Hall. My name it is Sam Hall, and I hate you one and all. Technically not, but he's going faster than those lines are at the minute. It's a big dig. They can't let him get too much of a gap. He might just go. Fucking damage curve as well. He's flying at the minute. He's absolutely flying. That's it. You look behind. Find where they are. Someone needs to get on his Yeah, they're having to react now. They're going to peg it back, surely. Maybe went a little bit early. Signs of that. Little bit of experience, but what what an engine. And the young lad from Up Game. There, brilliant. Moments of the tour so far. Yell up, Sam, I told you so. Well, damn your eyes. Coming up in this fact and fiction stuffed episode of The Farthing, all the very latest from the tour of Britain, which burst into life once they'd caught a small child on the outskirts of Edinburgh. David Miller offers his expert view of an intriguing stage on the race from his intense scrutiny of every single pedal turn. We hear from Pippa York about why she's making history not once, but twice, which is an extremely hard thing to do unless you're a Time Lord, which she might be. And we have some urgent, up-to-date advice to anyone staying right now in an Aberdeen city centre hotel. there, Molly. Ain't you proud? Damn your eyes. Where are you, Ned? Well, this is quite important for anyone who's checking into the same hotel as uh, Adam Blythe and I have just checked into in Aberdeen City Centre. Um, what I would recommend is the chap with the bald head and the orange beard and the strong Geordie accent, I would, I would recommend that you probably don't engage eye contact uh, with him mm. and, um, and try and limit your communications with him. This is a, in, in a way, this is a public safety announcement. Um, Adam and I have just managed to extricate ourselves from really quite a potentially hazardous situation. Um, I first, I first encountered. Well, Adam f- came across the gentleman in the first instance. I think he was either getting into a lift or getting out of a lift, and um, he was just stood there, man mountain that he is, staring at Adam with a, a slightly enigmatic smile and not saying anything. Um, shortly after that, I went up to buy the captain a cider because he drinks cider. Obviously, being a maritime... Obviously. Yeah, that's what you do you know, when you're a man of the sea. When you're a man of the sea. So I was ordering him a Magnus Cider. Mm. You see, I just held back there from using the catchphrase, because you can overuse catchphrases. Um, and I uh, and this man, Mountain, then appeared at my side and literally kind of pushed, almost pushed me to one side. And I was in the middle of ordering my cider. And he went, where are the toilets, man? To the barman. And then... And then he stared at the barman who shrank um, from him and kind of looked quite scared. And then he, he turned his head extremely slowly to me. I was standing quite close to him because he'd literally pushed me to one side. He went, you all right? <laughs> and I went, I'm fine. Thank you. Anyway, 10 minutes later, Adam, I've got the captain his cider and I'm sitting there and just having quick, we're having a little chat about this, that and the other. And he comes to sit down uncomfortably close to us in a very large and empty hotel lobby bar, um, at the ne- but right at the next table next to us, all on his own, like that. And he goes, and at this point we realise, 
it's a bit like, what do we do? So do we engage? Because the consequences of not engaging could be quite serious. But at what level do we engage? Yeah. Like that. And then a, a friend of his comes and sits down um, wearing complete army camouflage gear. He's maybe 10 years younger than him and quite trim, quite taciturn, but in complete army camo gear. Yeah, we're in this hotel bar in Aberdeen. Okay. And like by now they have both turned their bodies to face us full on. Yeah. So there's no, any prospect that we had of having a conversation amongst ourselves has just gone, right? They are now staring at us, the two of them. And, um, and we know that we're in this situation and it's just a question of the tactical kind of like possibilities of maneuvering ourselves out of it. Right. And your man keeps asking kind of slightly strange questions that are a little bit off tangent. At one point he says, what are you doing in Aberdeen? And Adam, bless him, says, Tour of Britain, <laughs> which just bounces off him like a fact that just hits a tank yeah. and just, you know, drops away. Yeah. And then, and then he, and then at this point, he loses his train of thought and he starts to talk about marathons. And he says, What's that thing, you know, like when you're running a marathon, but it's like you're looking at it, not the marathon, but like from the other side. It's like, it's like the other side of the thing. And you're looking at the other side. And I went, I don't really, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm interested. And he goes, oh, what's that thing called? It's the, it's not Third the person, thing. The fourth not, wall. And I'm going, this is getting meta. Yeah, and he goes, yeah. it's the other side of the thing. And there's a little bit of a pause and he goes, oh. And I say, Relax. Take your time. It'll come to you. It'll come to you. You'll remember that word, that thing that you're trying to... And he's shaking his head and going, not the thing, but the other side. And then anyway, we have a little respite from this weird conversation. Camouflage guys is quite quiet at this point. And Adam and I try and get on with our conversation that we were having. And then suddenly it comes to him and he goes, ah, it's the half marathon on the other side of the Tyne. What's that called? And I go, the Great North Run. And he goes, that's it, the Great North Run, man. Oh, <laughs> my God. That's insanely good. <laughs> and wow. I, at that point, it was like, okay, everything's cool. Reality's come back. He's just trying to remember the Brendan Foster event on the BBC. Um, we can probably go oh, now, can't we? So we managed to use the relief in the room. We just kind of made our exit. And that was it. A little fist pump with him that was quite edgy. And then off we go. Wow. Um, so it wasn't, the, the, even, it wasn't even a schlug. It was just a random. Oh, completely non-schlug. I mean, the opposite of schlug. Whatever, whatever the anti-schlug is, he was <laughs> an anti-schlug. There was no schluginess about him at all. There was just a threat of imminent violence That's that awesome. hung in the air. Wow. But, um, yeah, just so that was an encounter. Just a, and, and really, it's just a little, little word of warning for anyone who might be in a, a city centre hotel quite near the railway station <laughs> in Aberdeen. So, don't in engage. Aberdeen don't engage. Don't engage. Don't engage. Don't engage. That's did you, did you see the thing? Did you see the thing with the kid? I saw it. Actually, Nicole showed it to me. I'd already seen it because it's obviously just going viral. Um, it's amazing. It's just uh, it lovely? the loveliest little thing. I mean, so much about it is lovely. And it's, um, it's was it Patrick? What's his name? It was the, the boss. Pascal. Pascal. Pascal Inkhorn is the Jumba uh, Visma Domestique who found himself famous. in that. He's now famous. Who's now famous enough for me to remember his name. But um, no. but that was perfect, and the kid was just—he looked great. It was yeah, uh, yeah. Little, so I mean, it just feels that there's so many of those little um, 
moments happening to her britain mick bennett must just be just and i tell you what as well british cycling are doing a good job tour britain's doing a great job with their social it seems really good all the stuff they're doing around it i i'm just yeah. quite impressed yeah well let me credit the man who does that that's nick bull who used to work for Cycling Weekly, went off to be the press uh, officer at a football club. I think you know Nick, I think you Yeah, you come, met come, Nick. come across, yeah. yeah. Well, he's yeah, done a so. great job because it's it's really well done and it's just hitting exactly the right tone. The content's yeah. great and it feels feels like a big production. It's it's really cool. Love it. Oh, it's, a, it's a good bike race. It's a good bike yeah. race and it's going to go, you know, it's going to go right to the final stage with four seconds that Wattman Art still has to make up on Ethan Hayter because today... The break went to the line, you know. Mm. So um, that break, that break, yeah. I mean, that that was the that was the remnants of the break. That was a three man move, um, mm. ultimately that got to the line. Uh, but again, and this is the thing I wanted to talk to you about. So this is the second day in a row, David, that De Kernick Quickstep have been on the attack on quite similar stages, whether because early climbs and then it flattens out a bit towards the fi- the finale. But they've been on the attack two days in a row. Yesterday it was with um, uh, Tim de Klerk and, and Mark Cavendish, yeah, mm. and uh, that one got caught because actually the Ineos Grenadiers kept kept them on too tight a leash, which just encouraged everybody else mm. to ride for the stage win, and ultimately it kind of blew up in their faces a little bit. Ineos Grenadiers they didn't want the stage to be contested from the GC group because Van Aert would scoop up bonus seconds. So I think Ineos Grenadiers had learnt on a little bit today, and they backed right off, yeah. And allowed allowed the gap to grow substantially. And when those various teams who wanted to bring it back started to work, it was far too late, and the break went. So the break went to Lancet, but it had um, it had two more Dukernic Quick Step riders in it this time: Ballerini Hitter and Eve Lampart, Mega Hitter. Yeah, I mean they're all nice. hitters, aren't they? Nice, they're just good. So that's 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 pretty cool. But for the second day in a row, there were riders in the break. Yesterday it was Mark Donovan who they didn't want to be in the breakaway because he was only 142 down on GC. Mm. So he had, to, he had to go. So they took him out the back, right? Cavendish took him out the back. Yeah. Um, just before the race went through the town of his birth, Penrith, where mm. presumably all his friends and family were out to see him. Um, but pff, no sentiment. <laughs> Mark, Caven- Mark Cavendish and Deconic Quickstep took him out the back. Today, there was a Cajarural Seguros rider who was... Mm, Kind of a threat on GC. He was three minutes down, right? So enough to make it tricky that the Ineos Grenadiers would have to keep him, you know, keep an eye on him. So Lampart and Ballerini decided take him out the back, <laughs> and um, and they and they duly did. And I, I, it's not often that this gets televised and seen for what it is, because quite often it happens in the early phase of a race, yeah. just like it's happened. But you know, mm. we're getting enti- the entire coverage. And it's um it's a thing that I think a lot of our listeners, and indeed a lot of the ITV four viewers, might not know too much about David. I mean, what it what is it? How does it work? And is it right, fair, fit, and proper? And has it happened to you? And have you done it to other people? A whole bunch of questions there for you to answer. That's a lot. Yeah. So taking out the back is if you've got a breakaway that's formed, and there's one of the members of the breakaway is jeopardizing the fortune of that breakaway because of the fact they're not riding and they've got a stronger team behind that is using their presence to 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 then provoke action behind or they're just messing up the rotations numerous numerous reasons why you can have a rider in a breakaway who is uh compromising the fortunes so what you would then do in that breakaway 
um, there's not much you can do about it because it's their, their right to sit on, you know. And often if they do sit on, it means that riders are in the rotation will then see them sitting on and then skip their turns. So sometimes you'll have a rider in that breakaway or, or if there's two riders or a team might decide, well, you know what, we've got to remove them from the break. So you can't knock them off. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can't just kick the handlebars <laughs> or just to take them down or pull out a knife and slash their tires. So what you do is go to the back and um, they, they'll be sitting on the back and you go in the the wheel in front of them and then you just slowly let the, the breakaway ride away and then wait for them to prov- provoke action. Now, just to give a bit more depth to this, sometimes you do it to test somebody. If they're in that breakaway and they're not riding and you can't tell why, um, and they're claiming weakness, and you don't trust them, you will mm-hmm. take them out the back to test them. So you'll Can I take, just can I pa- pause yeah. for one second? Just yeah. in the context of today, yeah. the rider in question, and indeed yesterday, they weren't just sitting on the back, right? So that was a slightly different okay. set of circumstances. Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't riders who were sitting on the back. They're yeah. fully contributing. It's just yeah. their presence there. They were too high on GC. Okay. That's yeah, so that was just but yeah. for context. So but it's the same system. It's the same so thing. To put, so to put it that in context, that's something that seems like a foolish tactic. In all my years, you wouldn't do that if somebody was rotating, because the it's like cutting off your nose to spite your face. The energy you will lose trying to take somebody out the back if they're rotating, because they're going to be quite strong. Um, so because in order to to drop somebody, if you're taking them out the back requires such a huge you you need to be one of the riders that's strong enough to win from that breakaway in order to take somebody out the back you'd probably need at least to stand a chance of losing them you'd probably need to lose 20 seconds 30 seconds to that breakaway and then be able to absolutely destroy them in order to like and that effort that it would take you to destroy them to drop them because you're basically doing a, a pseudo attack of them in a situation where you'd have to plan a hill coming up or a crosswind, and it'll be an effort that you could lose them, but the effort that you will then make to have dropped them get back to the break means that you've compromised your chances of actually staying in that break or actually being able to com- actually make it work. So, it's so the, today, so yeah. today, the eventual stage winner, Eve Lampart, was the prime orchestrator mm. of the taking out of the back of of, <laughs> um, uh, of the yeah. rider. But he also worked with you know Matthew Jorgensen, the American with Movistar. The big dude uh, with the broad shoulders. Yeah, I do know. He's, that he's a pro, he's been he's had a really strong yeah. race, right? Yeah, and he was he was quite high in GC as well. So he had a kind of like maybe I can win the stage, maybe I can take the jersey, and that hung in the back. Anyway, those two riders got together to put this Kaharura rider off the back. So they let the, they let the wheels open, and they put him in check. And then you know, so the wheels open, and then he's got to try and get round, doesn't he? And get mm. get across, and they wouldn't let it. So and then this twenty second gap, or maybe maybe not quite as much of that in this case, but. 10, 15 second gap opened up that he alone couldn't close. And then Lampart went boom and went straight across back up to the front of the race. And Jorgensen shortly after that went boom and left him and had to drop him and dropped him and and rode across. Mm. And when Jorgensen got across to the the remains of that break, everybody else was delighted to see Jorgensen there because he's a really strong rider. And they all high-fived and congratulating him and all this sort of thing. Meanwhile, Kaharudal guy has properly been taken out of the back now. Yeah, yeah. So they, they ganged up on him. It was yeah. kind of remarkable, actually. Yeah, that's quite, I mean, to be honest with you, that's that's probably a new phenomenon because it happened in the past uh, for the reasons I was talking about. So again, it's a new cycling where riders are strong enough to do that. 
I mean, Eve Lampard's a machine, and yeah. isn't he just? Yeah. He's um, but yeah. So I mean, that, that's actually it's an old school tactic that was used back in the day, but in very different circumstances than that. Is it a thing that you have done often? Uh, yeah, I've done it once or twice earlier in my career to other riders, um, but more just simply because they were there sitting on, and yeah. they were just getting a free ride. Yeah, they were getting a free ride, and they were they were lying. They were saying they were weak. So it was just kind of, okay, how weak are you? And take them back 20 seconds and then then drop them. And then I could always drop it. I could drop people quite easily, bridge back across, and they'd make it back on. It was like, okay, we made it back on. You're riding now. And it was more that one. It was more call and bluff. Yeah. So often the take at the back was more often than not, probably 95 since the time, a bluff call. Yeah. Um, or if it was... Um, and that, that actually, that's that's actually ninety five percent time. I can't remember a, a time like you're talking about today where I've seen that happen, where it succeeded. It just that generally wasn't the way. But riders are stronger these days; they can do those sort of moves. But yeah, it's it's a totally legit move. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I I, 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 yeah, it's tough. It's hard, savage. But it's I, yeah. I, I, I think I agree. Yeah. I think it's legitimate. Yeah. But it did yeah. provoke. It did provoke Cajarural in the final to kind of like get on the front. Alpes and Phoenix, what was it, about 25k to go, 30k to go. They got on the front when the gap was five minutes. You you might have left it a bit late there. And they they made no impact really. But then Cajarural came charging up to the front with their entire team and went, we're still angry about what happened back in Carlisle. You know, um, we're so angry, but we're a bit underpowered. So we're going to be angrily underpowered. But that's also because, I mean, we've spoken about this, about Giro and Peter Sagan, where he got reprimanded for um, aggressive riding and essentially bullying. The the, the take at the back can be perceived as bullying. Um, so there's certain riders you wouldn't do it to and certain riders who can get away with it. But it has to succeed and it has to be done in a purely racing sense with no aggressivity, no uh, body language or shouting. If it's done in a, a very pure tactical sense, but if you see kind of hands being thrown and shouting and then being taken out the back, then you'd have to look at it differently. But by the sounds of what you're talking about today, then that's just a, that's just tactics. That's just Clinic, it was clinical today, today, yeah. today and yesterday. It was clinical from Deconic yeah, Quickstep. It was like right they were surgical about it. They just made the yeah. incision, incision and took out the infected part and disposed of yeah. it, and it was in the bin. And then they started stitching yeah. stitching the wound back up again. You know, it's super that cool. Was, it's it was cool. quite cool to watch. It yeah. was quite cool yeah. to watch. It was very, it was very interesting. Time. Yeah, love it. Yeah, proper bike racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we should talk about. Um, we should talk about the last twenty four hours of our competition, right? We should talk about this because this has been running during the tour, the entire tour of Britain. Yeah, um, we, and it's about I to run out. It's about to expire. It's a, tomorrow's the last day you can sign up for it. The link is in the show notes, and we club together um, between chapter three. Uh, now you say, wait. You say the link is in the show notes. Unfortunately, that oh, has oh. locked locked you into a certain behaviour. Now oh, you're oh, going to have to put, put the link. I'll put that in there. Actually, I think I might have mastered it. I think that was no. Give me if, if I run into troubles, I'll put the link. If you'll have just, to do it, if I fail, okay. But, just yeah. send me a message in the. Um, so there is a link. It's actually on the Roadbook website, isn't it? Yeah, it's on the Roadbook website. You'll find a page. And it's also on our social in different ways. Uh, we just club together with a few of our. Uh, uh, our partners and people we we like and thought we'd get to get a, a nice little package which is worth over a thousand pounds and 
And there's Kit from Mars. There's a lifetime subscription to the Roadbook. There's lunch for a group at Vermuteria. There's insurance from Lacquer. Because we just thought, you know what? Why not? Let's entice you listeners to sign up and sign uh, up and, to our uh, newsletter. And, and what will it cost? What will it cost them to sign up? It will cost them nothing, Ned. That's right. It is a naked data grab enterprise on our behalf. But but we promise you that your inbox will only be filled occasionally and always with the stuff that you want. But quality. Boy, but boy, does it help us um, yeah. keep keep our heads above water and and, and provide you with um. This just, I mean, outstanding content that is filling just, your ears right now, right? Just while we're waiting for Melinda Apples, sign up oh, yeah. and, and stand a chance of winning it. And by the way, all those um, prizes go to one person because it's just easier, isn't it? Oh, so, so it's winner takes it all, right? Winner takes all. It's like everyone else loses. So I don't want to talk about things we've been through. Though it's hey, hurting me. By the way, yeah. did, you get to do, did you get to do your Pathé um, no. commentary today? It was so good. I wish you could. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I was rather, we had a slightly different vocal situation going on in the commentary today because um, the captain. Phil Mar- <laughs> you nearly went there. You nearly went there. <laughs> Fill in your own audio. I'll say that again. Because the captain. Damn your eyes. Oh, he's gone, Matt. Damn your eyes, man! You're turning your back on me. Um, the the, uh, the the captain today. I had a couple more today, by the way. Oh, did you? Yeah, I love that. I, I really do hope that. I had a couple. Of, I think. I think what's happening now as well is um, I was just walking out the finish line in Edinburgh, and I think well, a few people have told me that they're actually opting for the silent version of. Oh, yeah. uh, they're now no longer assailing me by shouting "Damn your eyes" at me when they see me. They're now turning their back on me, just <laughs> 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 which is kind of cool and sophisticated. I like that. I like that. But anyway, um, the the captain, the captain had um, the captain. Where were we last night? Edinburgh had enjoyed Edinburgh to a certain extent. You know, he's a much younger man than either you or I, David. Certainly yes, me. So you can and and he'd had, a, he'd, he'd had a he'd had a yeah. When you're the age of the captain, which and you know he's he's anything between five years old and five hundred years old, isn't he? The captain. He, he is, is old. He is. he is wise and very young. Well, that's what happens time. when you spent so many years at sea. Yeah, like he has. That's what happens. And and when you hit land, you know, when you when you when you port, when you dock, when you are you have a bit of shore leave, as he did in Edinburgh last night. He um all I can say is that um there was a certain gravitas and gravity to his voice this morning when we started Mm -hmm. commentating at ten forty five that had lowered his voice by probably one and a half octaves. He was close to five five hundred five hundred years old this morning. Yeah, it was, but you know, over the course of 194.8 kilometers, his voice kind of like reached mm. normal um, captain mm. levels by the time the, the, the finish line honed into view. Yeah. Uh, why did I stop talking as, about that? As, as Maurizio Fontius told me in 1997, he said, David, it doesn't matter how you feel at the beginning, it's how you are at the end. Yeah, that's that exactly right. Racing. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Uh, why you were talking about that was because. Um, something about you and the captain today. I'm not sure what yeah, it was. Something, something about me and the captain. But uh, the, the captain is not my only fellow traveller through time and space and the tour of Britain. Um, one of my fellow travellers has been really nice to spend this much time with her because I've only only got to know Pippa York over the last three or four mm. years. Maybe not that much, two or three years really, since a chance encounter led to um, us booking her at ITV for her first little kind of moment where she stepped, put her head above the parapet as in her new identity. Um, 
not particularly new identity, but new to the public world identity as Pippa. Um, and this is a really big deal. You know, she has been booked by the Tour of Britain TV coverage to co-present with Matt Barbette the coverage. And, um, you know, this is the first time, this is the first time that a trans woman has been involved, as far as we can tell. And I, you know, if anyone can contradict this, then please do let me know. But I don't think a trans woman has been involved in mainstream, you know, uh, sports presenting on any network ever across the world. And Pippa is doing that. And she's doing it with great style. She's doing it with absolutely her own voice um, and her own, uh, putting her own stamp on it. Anyway, this morning, just before, like, Matt Barbette, perfect Matt Barbette. Um, Beautiful. Who, TV's Matt Barbette, who got her to, she's, he is driving Pippa around, although Pippa and that Matt share the, share the driving. Anyway, they were horrendously late today, I thought, or cutting it a bit fine to get to the finish line in, turn, in order to go live today. <laughs> I uh, like the caveat. Well, what I thought. Well, I thought, I thought they were coming. Well, I'd already been there you're, an hour. You were there like for an hour, two hours in doing notes. And it's like, where I are had, they, I've been for doing, God's sake? You know, I do all my notes. You know, I do the little... I know, keynote. you're always do, there. You're, you're, you know, you're brilliant. You're, you're intermediate, intermediate. Pro. I got you're, a right panic on today. Hours before. I got a right yeah. panic on today because up until about two minutes before the race started, I didn't have any printed notes. You oh, know, like the, so, God, the stapled... Because nothing replicates having the printed matter in front of you, does it? It's no, no good you trying to, to do it on a screen. No, no, no. You no, have to work. have the print. I don't know why it's so yeah. important. But anyway, 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 I, anyway. Yes, go on. Remind Sorry. me of that afterwards, AOB, regards why they're printed. Because uh, I remember a few years ago when I was getting into Kindles, when they first came out, and I was reading different things about it, is that we have much uh, higher ability to remember things that are analog because it's always imperfect and it forces our brain and I to try harder. And so, but the moment it's on a digital screen, it's always exactly the same. So it floats in it. So it's just too, uh, it's too repetitive. So it doesn't actually log properly. And so, yeah. And also with us, because I know, sorry, just, just going slightly seg- segwaying. Please seg- away. Yep. Is the, the, and you always do it with somebody from TV comes in and goes, well, look at this, this is the stage. The flicking through, we can actually contextualize where the race has been in a stage race through the actual ability uh, to find the pages. But on a on a screen, you just get lost. And it's like, duh, 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 duh. but you remember it completely. viscerally. And also then it's logged logged better in your brain because of the, the imperfection of the print or the handwriting. And as you write all your notes... Yeah, it's, it means that it's logging even more. So yeah, I can understand your panic when you didn't have printed notes. Um, so that was my panic just before we went on air, but I was beginning to panic about whether or not Pippa would turn up on time. Anyway, she did, and I grabbed a quick word with her, and this is what she had to say. Au premier temps de la valse, tout seul, tu souris déjà. Au premier temps de la valse. Right, Pippa has just pulled up around about 20 minutes to on air, being driven by TV's Matt Barbette, uh, who determinedly said, Pippa, over breakfast this morning, he said, I'm not letting Pippa drive again. I, I'm, de- I'm just not letting her drive because he scared the life out of him yesterday on the way up to Edinburgh. Is there some truth in that? There's definitely some truth in it. I think I um, had a bit of um, glycogen deficiency. And I was getting ratty as I went along, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I, there was a few times into the braking zone where um, we decided to overtake, and um, yeah, I, I don't think he's used to that. 
Yeah, Bly, to be fair, Blythe was driving a bit like Julian Alaphilippe yesterday on the way up to, to Edinburgh. But um, how do you find life? How are you actually finding life on the road of a bike race on doing the TV side of it? Because you've done done a couple of years on the tour, haven't you, with with David Walsh going around on the race and other bits and pieces. But um, I suppose doing the t- fully on the TV side, this is new to you, isn't it? Yeah, this is a different experience. So I have to learn, you know. Um the presentation side of things. So it's a bit different from sitting in the, in the studio and you just have the headphones on. Um, yeah, not hesitate, don't swear, don't pick your nose, all that kind all of stuff. things quite difficult for all you to manage. <laughs> all the kind of things you can used to do. You know, scratch yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, it's a different experience. I wouldn't say it's easier than writing because, you know, writing takes longer, a longer time, but it's definitely just as stressful. Yeah, it is. It was a different kind of stress. Were you, I mean, it would have been totally legitimate if on the first couple of days you might have been a bit nervous just before just before going on air, or were you not nervous? No, I wasn't nervous, um, just because, you know, I've done TV before. But there was this, uh, um, an incident when we did a live, and I thought it was a, a, a recording. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, can we do that again? But then, no, you can't, because it's live. Oh, I didn't know that had happened. So that went out. Um, right. Everybody laughed about it, like you would. You dropped him. Let's see where we are. I know where you are. I've done the recce already. I know, yeah. It's, up, it's just up here, just around the corner. You've got a nice lake and a... Look at that behind you. Look at that backdrop you've got there. Look at that. Yeah, How Scottish is that? The royal swans and everything. I don't, we don't, I don't come to... Gla- um, from Glasgow people... Of Let's my... stop here a second. Yeah. You've got five minutes, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, go Glasgow and Edinburgh. So Glasgow Cultural and Edinburgh. difference. People, don't, people from my disposition don't come here. Um, which is people of my disposition well, Glaswegians Glaswegians don't come here we're not allowed to yeah. we need a passport and a, probably a, I don't know if we need a gun or a, a sword or whatever you need to get to get in here but, no we don't come very often I've been here probably three four times in my life no yeah. seriously yeah it's, you know the soup, like, when you go to Belgium or you go to deepest France and it's there's obscure people live in a village yeah. well it's a bit like that for Glasgow and Edinburgh you never come here yeah yeah which bit of Glasgow were you sort of born and bred in? Like, properly in the in, inner city or kind of where? I was born a mile from the inner city, so in the Gorbals, is, um, that's the, where it's the, what's it called? The part of, part where it is. So it's yeah. the bit where all the murderers and, and bank robbers and proper criminals come yeah. from. Yeah. So, and they tried raising it to the ground and putting up new slums, but um, <laughs> it's attracting the same people, I reckon. <laughs> but Glasgow's fine, you know, it's not, it's not as violent as people think. Yeah, yeah. But was it actually, because you think of those, big tenement buildings in Glasgow is that is that the kind of environment you grew up in or that's what I was born into I was born at home and when I went out you know well out the front door there was um railway arches to play in with a coal coal truck that was parked there so were you born in the 19th century or something are you like is that your no, painting I was, I was born at the end of the 50s so <laughs> I'm showing my age so yeah maybe Glasgow was no, in but a... I mean I'm, I'm joking but it, it does sound like another world in, in a way Oh, it's different to where I live now, that's for sure. You know, we used to go to see green things, as I called it. We used to go on the bus and go to the park because there was no greenery, which was just as well because my family was Protestant and my... Um, so green was associated with Catholics. Yeah. And, um, yeah, my great grandma's quite religious. <laughs> yeah. Does it feel nice to come back to Scotland? I mean, does that mean much to you? Yeah, I love coming to Scotland. I, I might end up living here, um, you know, when I kind of retire totally but we'll, we'll see it's, it's hard to know when you're going to where you're going to end up what, where life takes you yeah. well when you say when I retire it strikes me you're kind of over the last two or three years you've completely rebooted what you do really and you've, you've, you've kind of just 
started a completely new career over the last what couple two three years yeah I, w- I would say you know from 2007 to 2017 when I came back that was a kind of lost decade for me um, for the various reasons of media intrusion into my life um, but now I kind of own that story and I've taken control of it so yes yeah, like you say I got a a re a re a rebirth of my kind of career, but obviously at my age I should be retiring and not restarting. But you know you can I feel okay, so I'll do it as long as I can. Yeah, I mean at first those first sort of steps back into broadcast, I suppose broadcasting life and putting your head above the parapet. Were they, did the, was there a great deal of trepidation that went with that, or did you just? No, or was it easier than you might have imagined it being? No, it was harder than I imagined. I didn't think I'd be emotional about it. Um, I felt really vulnerable, so I've had to learn to control that in the same way that you kind of control your emotions in a bike race. So I used that kind of tra- that training that I had to keep control of your emotions. Um, but it's difficult, no? So I'm allowed to be emotional now. So quite often I'll, I'll have a cry after I've done something that's not went well or has went well. You know, you can cry for both occasions. Mm. So not this race, surely? No, I haven't had to have a cry here, so I've been fine. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Mark Cavendish do the crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that, uh, you know, because in a very small and incremental way, we've worked together on broadcasting, you know, just a bit piecemeal, you know, bits and pieces when you've joined us from time to time on our Tour de France coverage and and things like that. It's really nice to see you here on this bike race, kind of centre stage. Um, and one of the two faces that pop up at the beginning and the end of the race on mainstream television with a big audience every single day. This, and- is, this is a big deal for me because, you know, as, as you say, um, this is mainstream telly, and I'm here as a trans woman, but I'm not here on, on that kind of gender debate. I'm here because I know about what I'm doing, so there's a normality to it, which is really important, you know, for that whole kind of... Um, acceptance of us you know I, I say us but there is no kind of there, there is no trans community you know everybody's an individual uh, so yeah like you said it's it's really important to 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 represent something which then becomes a normal not even a talking point no it, nobody's mentioned it no until i have just now really yeah. kind of and i'm yeah, not I, sure I, I mentioned it but it's um it's arisen in our conversation now but that's because i think it's incredibly surprisingly important what's just happened over the last week and i i kind of i'm I'm caught in two minds as to whether or not i'm slightly disappointed that not more has been made of it in a way because it's a it's a it's quite a landmark moment in broadcasting it's a step forward you know it's it's and i'm not here as an entertainment piece i'm not here as a kind of to put it as it would have been 10 years ago a freak show i'm here because i know what i'm talking about completely And and it's been accepted as okay that's what's happened to me that's my medical history but that's it you know yeah. not, and it's moved on and it's the same way that we don't talk about anybody who's gay who turns up it does it's not mentioned anymore because it's not relevant to what i'm doing but there are always those step changes in society and the way it moves forward you know you, you go back to thinking about kind of more conventional lgb rights and you go back to that eastenders and the first gay kiss do you remember and yeah. you know and you probably have to go back further than that and say well that's the first time that a female newsreader read the news kind of back in the 60s or whenever that was and you're now what you have done is part of that narrative going forward now i'm making history again <laughs> it's, oh. it is it's a kind of historic thing so i was the first person to win a tour de france classification and now i don't know i'm i well, I, I wouldn't say I'm the first person because we have Inde, India Willoughby, who you know, who does mainstream telly. But it's certainly in a sporting context, I must be the first kind of trans person to be presenting. Yeah. So, yeah, that matters. And, and that's one of the reasons why I accepted to do this. 
because it matters for everybody out there that is questioning what's happening to them. Um, yeah, and they see that it's accepted. And not just the people who, who, who may be questioning, as you say, but also all the people who aren't questioning and maybe don't encounter trans identity much in their lives. No. Well, now it's kind of coming to their living room. I always say to people, you know, they, oh, we don't know any trans people. And I say, well, you do now because when I'm off. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what about the bike race? Good bike race. Good Four seconds. Race. Four seconds. It's coming down to the wire. How does Ethan Hayter dislodge right but I can't, can he? <laughs> Everybody else has tried. He needs to turn into Matthew van der Poel, give it a couple of years. <laughs> it's, been, it's been good though, hasn't it? It's been good fair. It is. It's been, I know, I thought the, you know, two days ago, the finish where he won the sprint, I thought that was epic. But yesterday was better. And uh, hopefully today's even better. You're almost, I'm almost making you late for telling now you need to go and join TV's Matt Robert. If I'm late, you're late. Yeah, I've got to go. Pippa's uh, life is um, kind of extraordinary, isn't it? On two levels or three levels or 17 levels. I mean, we all uh, live... Multiple. We, yeah. we all live a hundred different mm. lives, don't we, in yeah. our own way, but... Um, yeah. When you were, when you were, sorry, Dave, you were about to say something. Um, uh, no, 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 just uh, um, I, I suppose many people wouldn't know this, but I spent, I spent the majority of my career, especially in France, being called Robert um, because of exactly the same surname as Pippa. Yep. Pippa yep. York now, but in uh, uh, the early years, I was the only other Scottish pro cyclist to hit the continental scene. Came from Scotland, had Miller with an A. And until even the very end of my career, people would call me Robert. And so, and I've known Pippa for 25, 30 years now, yep. 25 years. And I, I'll put it, I shall send this through to the show notes. I wrote a letter when, when Pippa uh, came out and actually had the massive bravery to tell people of, of what the journey she'd been on and, and, and the fact that sh- she'd become Pippa. And uh, I wrote a, 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 an open letter that, that, uh, to it. And I'll, I'll put it in the notes because I, I, I don't really have much more to say about it than that, apart from the fact I've got so much, to, so much respect for her and, and what she's become and everything she's accomplished because I spent my whole career in her shadow. And to this day in France, I'll be called Robert. Her, her, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and even she finds that funny. So yeah, so it's it's um, we got we got a lovely relationship, Pippa and I, and it's so good to see her uh, doing what she deserves to do and, and being excellent because she's always been such a brilliant, uh, uh, it's more than a pundit. Uh, a cri- we always have this discussion, critic of the sports or critique. She's always had such a great an- ability to analyze the sport from afar. She, uh, she, she, abs- she absolutely has. But what she's demonstrating on the coverage at the moment, um, which I don't, uh, hadn't always got from Pippa in the past when she's been talking, you know, analytically about cycling, because she, she is a critic. You're right. She's kind of, mm, she's very critical, she's very critical. <laughs> she can be very critical. I mean, you know, and, and kind of often rightly so, and, mm. and often quite have quite a negative take on things. But what I've now discovered in Pippa, where she presents herself on the television is she's got this, you know, the same enthusiasm that the captain has, that you have, that I have, that mm. you guys maybe listening at home have. She loves, she loves the sport and she loves watching it and she's um, yeah. engrossed in it, you know, which is just, just lovely. She's a fellow traveler in that sense. Hey, David, 
Quick book recommendation. We've had a few emails in to hrwtyj at gmail.com. I'll say that again, hrwtyj at gmail.com. And I'll say it again, hrwtyj at gmail.com. John Hunt has written to us. Hi, Ned and David. It's been a few days since you came across the story of the tragedy at Slapton Sands in 1944, also known as Exercise Tiger. If you are interested in finding out more about the story and enjoying a good read, I can highly recommend a a novel by Leslie Thomas. That rings a bell. Leslie Thomas Hmm. wrote something that I can't remember, uh, called The Magic Army, which is set to the backdrop of the true story and the events of Exercise Tiger and the impact it had on the rural area surrounding the South Hams of Devon. There you go. Book recommendation. He also says, loving the podcast, Ned. This is amazing. Matt Rendell will love this. I first discovered you and my interest in cycling from your real Peloton podcast days, which you weren't even have been aware of, David. It's long before I knew. This is when you, you and you and Rendell were pioneers. We were, of the whole podcast we were, journey. we were way before you know the cycling podcast guys guys did it properly, and then way before you and I came on shambolically to kind of do and do this. Um, but yeah, it's me and Rendell doing mad nonsense over a decade ago now. What so was it called? Uh, the real Peloton. That's very good. That, that, There's nothing real about it at all. It was, you know, the opposite of the real person. Do you still, really, do you still have that kind of? No, no, because we were so shambolic, we never kept them. Oh no! You know, people would love. People would love if we did a best, the greatest hits of the real Peloton, um, because there was some absolutely hilarious stuff there. But we've they've all been destroyed and lost in the sands of time. Damn it! Um, uh, Tom Sturdy says, uh, "Thank you very much." Blah blah blah. Inclusion of something. Um, I was particularly taken by the inclusion of the sound bites from the roadside and by Will Bergfeldt's incredible story. Although nowhere near as serious, I too was involved in a life-changing accident while riding. Sport is, of course, full of incredible stories of triumph over adversity, but it's so rare that those that don't result in the greatest of triumphs and ultimately some sort of overall victory are shared and heard. Um, And that's from Tom Sturdy. Thank you for uh, kind of like getting the best out of Will Bergfeldt's story. I had a quick chat with Mm. Will at the uh, finish line at Gateshead, and he's absolutely loving this race. Um, Also, just finally, uh, another one about the kind of D-Day story that we came up with last time. Andrew Morris writes, Dear Ned and David, thanks for podcasting, blah, blah, blah. This, uh, This morning's edition had my brain firing out floating facts as I traversed the Prince of Wales crossing. And this one is a loosely tethered fact, as you'll see. David's discussion of code words and Ned's comments on Normandy brought to mind the story of Lieutenant James Doohan, who landed with Canadian infantry on Juno Beach on the June the 6th, 1944. Crossing between command posts later that evening, he was asked for a password by a Canadian sentry. And upon Doohan's failure to produce the password, the sentry opened fire, costing Doohan a finger on his right hand. This is brilliant. The punchline of this is so good, right? When Doohan was cast as Scotty in Star Trek some 20 years later, he always made sure that his right hand remained out of shot. Wow. Passwords are important. Uh, Absolutely, doing Scotty Star Trek. That's a That's whole other amazing. avenue. So we could. I oh, love. Yeah, he was the best. Scotty was like, the best. Star Trek: and Next it, Generation got me through my first year as an amateur. My only year as an amateur in France. Wow, that was before box sets or anything. You just had to yeah. wait till it was on the telly. <laughs> yeah, loved it. <laughs> anyway, Andrew yeah. Andrew signs off with "Damn your eyes, damn your That's eyes, right. damn your eyes." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it are will. we done? Anything else to say? Uh, no, I think we're good, Ned. I think we, I, I just like to just, I really enjoyed, um, Professor, I can't remember his name of the UFF, 
it dumb was cough. very dumb cough. It was very entered into the realms of the unwell yesterday. Yep. It was very good. He's probably, he's, probably hang, he's probably hanging around a hotel lobby somewhere in Aberdeen. It might have been your man. <laughs> in Aberdeen. It might, it might have been him. You know, that would be exactly what you'd expect him to do. Just spook you. <laughs> he's an incredibly big, like putting on a Geordie accent. He's, there's definitely a northern accent in there. Do you yeah. remember, and just, just finally, David, talking about the kind of artistic audio contributions. Um, do you remember our, um, our correspondent, Geraint Rowlands? Oh God! Yes, it's that should be just award-winning. Welter Milkwood, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roglic's Roglic's second victory at the Vuelta, Um, stunning. kind of retold in the style of Dylan Thomas for, yeah. for, for reasons that are completely lost to me. I have no idea why that became a thing. Why did we say, why did we say, can anybody, can anybody sum up the Vuelta? Uh, you know what it was? Sta- you know, I, I remember, not- I, I remember how it started. It was because we, first of all, we, <laughs> we proposed for people to put it as like a, um, uh, an old school film uh, trailer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And then it then it convoluted itself and transmogrified into poetry. And then of, of late it's become haikus, and now it's going full well, circle into different it, things. It, but it, it, it was it was a work of total genius yeah. uh, for anyone yeah. who's been listening long yeah. enough to remember that. And if you shoot back, um, you can probably find it still there on our on our mm. back issues of Ruvuelta, as it was known. Uh, it truly is a work of genius. Beautiful. Um, yeah. But uh, but but um, if I find it again, I'll sort of repost it at some time. Probably won't because I'll forget that I've said this. Um, <laughs> but uh, Geraint Rollins, anyway, I, I suddenly remembered him, and I I've emailed him and I said I am really looking forward to Britain Milkwood. And I've oh. just had a I've just had a message back saying <laughs> with a couple of photos saying yeah this was us by the side of the road the other day so he's been oh, watching not... the race by the side of the road and he said I'm on it so oh. we have that we have that to look forward you know to. what you know <laughs> that just gave me a little shiver because like, this was us at the side of the road the other day and it would be like a picture of you and him behind you looking kind of weird oh god. <laughs> It's all just he set the tone at the beginning, but yeah, if, if, Garant, if, if Garant Rollins could do that because it was yeah. um, magical, so yeah, all right. yeah, okay, very good. All, all right. right, well, may- maybe tomorrow we'll see how it goes, huh? Yeah, yeah, let's um, let's celebrate Ethan Hater winning the Tour of Britain tomorrow. Big cool. Let's see what happens. All right, see you, David. <laughs>